Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we made it to Holy Week. It has been a, it feels like we were just kind of hitting up Christmas. Next year, Easter is even earlier, but here we are, Holy Week, as we begin this journey towards Easter. As we go, have gone through Lent, if you gave something big up for Lent and you're still holding on, you only got a week left. You can do it. But my wife, Cassie, and I, uh, when it comes to Holy Week, we have worked in the church for over a decade. I've worked for almost 12 years. She's worked for over 15. And so over the years, we have picked up some tips, some tricks when it comes to Holy Week that I thought I'd pass along to you. Any of you who are thinking about me going to church work or volunteering at a church, whatever, right? So first of all, on Palm Sunday, step one, make sure you refrigerate the palms right away. Don't just stick them in a bucket of water and hope for the best, because otherwise you're going to end up with sludge Sunday, right, as they just kind of decompose. Refrigerate them. Secondly, Maundy Thursday, right, when we could celebrate communion, the Last Supper, um, if you're going to use real bread for communion, you have to factor in a chew time, right? Because it's a little chewier, you're dealing with some gluten in there, you got to make sure that you factor that in before you give them the wine. Um, on Easter Sunday, it's something that I learned, uh, go with Comfy shoes, not necessarily fashionable shoes. Comfort over style. But then if you're doing a reenactment of, of the triumphal entry, remember, there's a reason the phrase is stubborn as a mule, right? When it comes to bringing in a donkey, sometimes the donkey doesn't want to do what donkey, even if the person walking or sitting next to it looks just like Jesus, doesn't matter, stubborn as a mule, okay? And then lastly, and this one is crucial for today, regardless of whether it's traditional or not, don't use real eggs in the Easter egg hunt. I speak from experience. I thought it'd be fun. Somebody donated some hard-boiled eggs. We, you know, I hid them around. It was great. Um, not all the eggs got found. Well, they did eventually. One of them got found later um, by one of our preschoolers on the playground. It was August, so... Um, Needed a biohazard suit for that one. Whew. Somebody else was telling me they did that in their yard, and they, they hit it with a lawnmower months later. And whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, Yeah. Let's pray, okay? <laughs> Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the chance to be here. We thank you for plastic eggs. Um, we thank you for the wisdom of maybe even not filling those eggs, but having them get the prizes later so we don't end up with ants and all those fun things. Lord, we thank you for Holy Week. We thank you for the chance to celebrate, celebrate the salvation that we have that was won for us some 2,000 years ago. Lord, focus us this week to know the journey that it took to go to the cross. Lord, I thank you for the chance to share your message, and of course, Lord, let it be your message. Move me, sinful and broken Tyler, out of the way, Lord. This, this is you speaking, and I pray that you would speak. I pray as I submit myself to your Holy Spirit that all would be willing to do the same. Lord, we trust in you. In your name we pray. Amen. Special welcome to those of you joining online. If you are joining us live via Facebook, do us a favor and hit share. That is a way to invite all your friends on Facebook to church. Uh, and those of you here in the room, uh, we also put these sermons available just as the sermon on YouTube. You can find that link on our website or in the happenings the next week. But here we are on Palm Sunday. 
And when it comes to Palm Sunday, there's one word that's associated with Palm Sunday. We, we sing it, we, we shout it, we say it as we're waving our, our palms around, Hosanna, right? This is a word that's repeated across the globe today, Hosanna. But what does it mean? Where, where does it come from? Well, it's, uh, it's an English word that is a transliterated Greek word that's actually a transliterated two Hebrew words, right? Uh, even when we see Hosanna in Scripture, in the gospel that we heard today, that's not a word that was familiar to the Greek people. They basically just took the Hebrew and said, it's kind of like this, right? Uh, the original Hebrew is actually two words, yasha ana, yasha ana. Uh, yasha means save us, deliver us, and ana adds a little bit of uh, politeness to it. It's please, right? Save us, please, is where it is. It's actually found six times throughout Scripture, this, this term, right? Uh, four times in this story, the telling of the triumphal entry, all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John mention this, and they use the word Hosanna. They considered it important enough to bring it up again. Another time comes to us from Psalm 118, which I'll read a little bit here for you. This is Psalm 118, beginning of verse 19. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them, and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, the righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. That last verse, verse 25, it's translated in English, but that is Hosanna. Save us, we pray, O Lord. Hosanna. The other time that Hosanna appears in Scripture is just a few days later in our narrative. It's the part where Jesus is flipping the tables in the temple uh, and driving out the money changers. And it says that some children shouted out, Hosanna. And I, I love this scene. I love this, this little setting, this other use of Hosanna in the Gospels. Because what happened is, uh, these are, there are people who are descending upon Jerusalem, the capital area, right? This is the place where the main temple is. They're coming from all over, Jewish people, and it would have been difficult to bring your sacrifice with you, whether that be a lamb, a dove, whatever. Uh, and so the tradition was you would sell it in whatever town you were coming from, and you would bring the proceeds to Jerusalem where they would say, okay, uh, you want to buy what? It will cost you this much, right? And then you give them the money. And oftentimes, because, you know, inflation, you ended up having to pay more than you got when you sold it back in your hometown. And that is why Jesus was upset. He's saying, you guys have like, Primetime pricing built in. Anybody who's used Ticketmaster, you know what I'm talking about, right? You're saying you guys are taking advantage of these pilgrims coming in, these poor people who are looking to make a sacrifice, make a connection with God. You're charging them a premium, and he gets mad, and he flips the tables, and that is when the children cry out, Hosanna, save us, we pray, Right? And what they're saying, save us from, these are poor kids that are saying, save us from the injustice that we're encountering. Save us from the unfairness of them driving up the price. Save us from the church in some sense. And it's interesting because the Pharisees, it says that they are indignant. And they shout at Jesus, tell them to be quiet. And Jesus responds basically that from their mouths to God's ears, from the mouths of children 
This is the truth. And this is still true today, right? Surely you know some young people and you think, oh, they're so, they're so naive in their hope that things could be better. They're so idealistic in their ideas for making this world a better place. Boy, they don't know what I know. What you know is that adults have become cynical. Adults have been hardened by the world. Adults have lost hope. So perhaps we should hold that same idealistic concept that kids do, right? We say, listen, kid, get your head out of the clouds. That's not realistic. Well, anecdotally, we refer to the clouds as heaven, so maybe that's exactly where our head should be, having hope, having faith, having trust beyond the reality of this world. If only we had the courage as adults to say, Hosanna, God, save us, please. That's the first part. I want to focus on the other instance that we see here that I just read from, from Psalm 118 where Hosanna comes, right? So we have the, the four Gospels that talk about the triumphal entry, but then Psalm 118 is fascinating, at least to me as like a, a Bible nerd. 118, and I've shared this before, is the middlemost chapter of the Bible. Somebody who's a lot smarter and has more time than me and doesn't have ADD counted up all the chapters in the Bible, and they found that 118 is the middlemost chapter. It's right there in the middle. And Psalm 117 is the shortest, 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Just an interesting way that worked out. But I love the fact that Psalm 118 is right in the middle. Because it's, it's what the people are quoting at the triumphal entry. That's part of a whole group of psalms called Psalms of Praise. And in preparation for the Passover, it was customary that you would sing out these praises. You would sing out these psalms as you gathered together on your pilgrimage. And that's why they're saying, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They're doing their part of quoting these, these scriptures. But the reason that I love that this is right in the middle of the Bible is that in many ways, the triumphal entry is in the middle of Jesus' ministry. And you're thinking how, like, He's like 33 at this point. It's the last week of life. Surely that's not in the middle. Well, it's in the middle insofar as there is everything that happens before this and then everything that happens after this. This truly is a point of transition. This is a catalyst moment in Jesus' life and ministry. See, before this, he had been a great teacher. He'd been doing amazing things, and the Pharisees were taking note. They were noticing all the things that he was doing, this, this crowd that was gathering around him, and they're saying, hey, this guy's a problem. We probably should do something about this. They actually put plans into place to kill him. But if you look just before this, yes, there was the Lazarus inciting incident, but just before this, it says that he became more private, that he withdrew off into the wilderness, and the Pharisees said to each other, maybe that's it. Maybe he's gone out of the public eye. Maybe we're all right here. That's why at the end of our gospel reading, they say, see, we are gaining nothing. Even the world is going after him. Because him marching down the main street of Jerusalem on a colt, the foal of a donkey, that is public. That's a moment. From there, everything changes. They know they had to do something. This is when action starts. This is why this week is considered Holy Week. This is all that Jesus had been teaching put into action. 
The Pharisees knew this. The Pharisees knew from that moment on they had to do something. They could no longer ignore it. I wonder how much Jesus really took time here. Right? Do you, do you ever wonder if he, like, as he got that donkey, took a moment and said, no going back from here. Did he take a moment and, and draw in a breath? Because these moments where you go through this transition, where there is a change, where, where you grow, they're powerful. They're powerful. See, we as people, we are taught that, that strength means hiding your weakness. Strength means not shouting Hosanna. Strength means being stronger and being yourself. But sometimes that transition means taking a step. And for Jesus, he took a step into Jerusalem. For Jesus, it says earlier, he fixed his eyes on Jerusalem. He knew what was coming. He knew about Golgotha, the cross. He took that step into action. It's funny because in a roller coaster, the most thrilling moment is actually when the coaster is going its slowest. Right at that moment where you're no longer climbing the hill and you're just at the top, cresting over, looking down the drop. Right? That's when your heart's like, goo, 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 goo. But the, the coaster is going its slowest in that moment. These are the moments that we encounter in life, these catalyst, transition, transformation moments. This is the moment when you're sitting at dinner across from the woman that you love and you have a ring in your pocket. This is the moment that you walk into your boss's office and hand him a letter of resignation. This is a moment where you have dialed the number of that loved one, that, that friend, that relationship, that, that sibling that you haven't talked to in years and it's ringing. This is the moment where the, the teacher is passing out the final exam that you've been studying for for months. This is the moment where you're sitting in the doctor's office on that crinkly paper and you're just awkwardly waiting for the nurse to come in with the results. This is the moment where you're driving home from your last day of work before retirement. This is the moment where you're driving home with your firstborn. This is the moment where everything changes. Maybe that moment is about faith, about trusting. For Jesus, it was about trusting his Father, trusting God, trusting that God was with him in this moment. As we go through those moments, it is terrifying, and it's tempting to not take that step, to stay in the comfort zone, to just put up with the job that you hate, to, to continue to endure, to continue to just slog along. It's tempting to say, no, I, I don't need to go to the doctor. It's fine. It'll take care of itself. It's tempting to say, you know what? Uh, yeah, I feel sad and tired all the time, but I don't need to talk to a counselor. It's tempting to not repair the relationship because comfort is status quo. But the challenge is to take the step. See, Hosanna is an interesting word because if you examine what it actually means, save us, deliver us, please, it's pleading. It's from a place of desperation. It's from a place of hurting, of uncertainty, of fear. And yet, that's not how we use it, is it? 
We sing out Hosanna. We say it as a word of praise. Praise God, Hosanna. We, we use it in the midst of the Psalms of praise. How is it that this word of desperation and darkness and fear has become a word of praise in our God? It's because what follows. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's that moment of transition of saying, God, I need your help. I know you'll help me. God, I need you to save me. I know that I've been saved. That transition of faith, that transition of trust, it's a small moment and yet it is huge. It will change your life. Everything will be different. We're conditioned to, to not say Hosanna. We're conditioned to say, no, I don't need saving. I don't need fixing. I'm strong. I'm good the way I am. But growth means vulnerability. Growth means addressing your weaknesses and getting beyond them, growing and becoming stronger. That's what strength truly is. And so may we have the courage to say Hosanna, whether it be from a place of desperation. Maybe that's you sitting here right now and you're saying, save me. Save me from my finances. Save me from my job. Save me from these relationships. Save me from myself. And I pray that you're able to go through that moment of transition where it goes from a cry of desperation and fear and darkness to a shout of praise. God, I know you will save me. May we have the courage to take that first step into the journey of growth and change, the journey of faith and trust, the journey of salvation, because God has saved us. I'm reminded, Revelation, yeah, going all the way to the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 7. It says this, after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. When asked about this, the speaker says, They shall hunger no more and neither thirst no more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in their midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It is that promise that transitions us from Hosanna being a statement of desperation and fear to a Shout of praise, trusting that God has delivered us beyond this world, beyond the struggle, beyond the pain. May we take that first step into the journey of strength and growth, of trust and faith, of salvation. God saves. May we shout Hosanna in praise of him. Amen.